0: Good morning everybody. You well? Yeah? Good. You ready for tomorrow? Yeah, that kind of fell on deaf ears, didn't it? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Well, it is good to be with you as we kind of wrap up our series called Seeing What God Sees. And I do hope you've had a chance to put your cling somewhere on a mirror, on on a piece of glass, on something you see on a regular basis to just remind us all that we need to see what God sees, You know, I, I often reflect on different kinds of teachings, and one of them is known as midrash. You ever heard of that word? I know it's a weird word, but midrash is kind of a, a Jewish term that means uh, stories that teach lessons and the informal ways that we learn about our faith. And I want to share a couple of midrashes, if you will, that um, help identify where we are and where I hope we will go from this point forward with seeing what God sees. So there's nothing like a good rabbinic story, right, a good rabbi story. So one of those goes something like this. Um, There was an older man on a commuter train in an inner city, right, and very crowded. There was a young man standing next to this older gentleman on the commuter train, and and the young man said to him, I'm sorry, sir, could you tell me the time? And the older gentleman not only ignored him, he kind of looked away and didn't do anything and didn't reflect on it and certainly didn't offer him the time of day. Well, the young man was a little bit flustered by that, but he, you know, kind of knew this is the city and, you know, not everybody likes to have a conversation, so he kind of moved on about his business. But the older man had some friends with him on the train, and they were flabbergasted by how rude that he was to the young man. And so they simply said, why why were you so discourteous to this young man? All he wanted was the time of day, to which the older gentleman simply responded, if I had given him the time of day, he would have wanted to know something about my life. And if he wanted to know something about my life, he might have wanted to know where I was going, and he might even go down the path of wanting to know what I enjoyed or what uh, we held in common. And if he wanted to know what we held in common, he might, in fact, want to come over to my house. And if he came over to my house, he would certainly meet my lovely daughter. And if he met my lovely daughter, he would certainly fall in love with her. And I don't need any guy to marry my daughter who doesn't can't afford a watch. we go down those trails, don't we? We've all had these thoughts in our heads about something that we see in somebody or a conversation that starts up, and unfortunately, these kinds of thoughts in our heads lead us down a trail that causes us sometimes to not see what God sees in other people. I don't know if you're like me, if I've been in public settings and I see somebody, doesn't look like me, maybe not act like me, might have different values than me, anything like that. I walk down a trail sometimes in my head, and it takes me to some place I shouldn't go. It takes me down a path I shouldn't be, and I then can't see in that person what God sees in that person. It's a horrible dilemma. And the Midrash would say to us, Learn from this, not to go down that trail and not to have those conversations. Another midrash, a rabbi's teaching, because all rabbis teach, that's what they do, right? And a rabbi says to his class, to his students, students, how can you know when the night is ending and a new day begins? Well, the students thought for a minute, one of the students raised his hand. He said, rabbi, Could it be that the night is ending and the new day beginning when I can look out at an animal and see the difference between whether it's a goat or a dog? The night will be ending. No, said the rabbi. Another student raised his hand and said, Rabbi, could it be that the night is ending and a new day is beginning when I look out across to some trees and I can tell whether it's a fig tree or a peach tree? No, said the rabbi. Well then, said his students, how in the world can we distinguish when the night is ending and a new day is beginning? To which the rabbi responded with this great bit of wisdom. Students, you will know when the night is ending and a new day is beginning, when you can look out on the face of any woman or man and see in their face that they are a sister or a brother. For if you cannot do this, then it does not matter what time of the day it is. It is still night, and the day will not come. Isn't that true as well? Isn't that indeed a part of our dilemma in our world today? That it is still night in some of our hearts, and we witness night in the world even as we speak. It is still nighttime in Ukraine where some people from another country believe that somehow, some way, they do not look like a sister or a brother. It is night in North Korea, where often they feel they can't see in another human being a brother or a sister. Friends, it is still night sometimes in our own country because there are some of us who cannot see in a person of a different ethnicity that they are a sister or a brother. There are some of us who look at the liberal or the conservative across the aisle and cannot see that they are a sister or a brother. There are some of us, in fact, who look at someone and say, you watch Fox or you watch CNN and cannot see a sister or a brother. You see, for some of us, it is still night, and we need the light of Christ to help us see what it is God sees. You see, it's why several months ago we determined very clearly that we needed to offer this worship series, See What God Sees in All Human Beings, because we need to reclaim our original creation. You will remember we started several weeks ago in the book of Genesis where we discovered in Genesis chapter 1 that all people are created in the image of God. All people, not some, not a few, not a select All people are created in the image of God. And then we quickly discovered through Cain and Abel that we have sin and we don't always see the image of God in all people. And we cause anger and hatred and sometimes even violence against the sister or brother who is made in the image of God. And then Pastor Nick did a phenomenal job last week in helping us to discover or reclaim that Jesus refocuses our attention and refocuses our sight so that we can see, even in those with whom we may disagree or not understand or not follow the same faith, the image of God imprinted on all human beings, because we believe that our Creator has done that. Today, I want to kind of bring to a culmination all of that to recognize that when we can, see the image of God in all people and see what God sees, man, we ought to celebrate. We ought to give thanks. We ought to honor the God of all creation and we ought to recognize the gift that that creation offers because God's very image is imprinted on everybody. And so today... I want to wrap up our time by going to the last book of the Bible. We started in the first book of the Bible, Genesis, a few weeks ago, and this week we wrap up in Revelation because those two books act as a powerful bookend for not only the scriptures themselves, but for God's intent, for God's desire. That we're all created in the image of God. We have fallen short of this. We turn to tend our, back, turn our back and look other ways and not fully recognize. And then John's revelation helps claim for us what it is God desired from the very beginning. And you may, of course, recall as we went through <coughs> excuse me, the book of Revelation back in November, we realized that this is a great book of hope. That it is a great book of, of helping reclaim us towards what God's desires were from the very beginning of creation. And today will be no different as we find ourselves in Revelation chapter 7. And in that, John is revealing to us this powerful image of what God's kingdom will look like and what God's hope can imprint on all of creation. John says this in chapter 7 beginning in verse 9. He says, After the vision of these things I looked, and the vision that John is claiming is the vision of God's kingdom, is the vision of God's victory, the vision of what God can do when God wins Because God always, always wins. may not look the way we think it looks, but God always wins. After the vision of these things, I looked, John said, and there was a great number of people, so many that no one could count them. They were from every nation, tribe, people, and language of the earth. They were all standing before the throne and before the Lamb, Jesus, wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands. They were shouting in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures. They all bowed down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God. This is a worship experience, friends. This is a worship encounter that says we are celebrating all that God is doing. We are celebrating all that God is building. We are celebrating all that God will make true. And in verse 12, it says, All who gathered in that worship place said, Amen. Praise and glory, wisdom and thanks, honor and power and strength belong to our God forever and ever. Amen. Friends, this is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I love John's revelation. I know sometimes we're troubled by the words because they don't always make sense, but John reveals to us The powerful good news that God is the victor, that no matter what our tumult, that no matter what the travail we face, that no matter what the circumstances are in the world, the night that we encounter sometimes, God will always have light. God will always be the victor. You remember John reveals this in any number of ways in the Revelation, but John chapter 7 is kind of a sometimes referred to as an interlude. And in that interlude between the seven seals opening and the seven trumpets proclaiming, there's this interlude that says, man, all is good with the world because God is going to be the victor. And the seals that are being unsealed and the trumpets that are proclaiming are proclaiming God's kingdom, and they're making known God's desires, and they're recreating all that has been broken, and they're offering the healing for the nations, that will create what God desired from the very beginning of time. You see, the revelation is good news and it offers hope. And in part, what John is revealing to us here in chapter seven is that in this worship experience, where God is revealing and God's hope is being created and the kingdom is being built in this great hope, every nation, <laughs> every tribe, Every language, every people are present. Everybody is able to experience this. And a part of what John is acknowledging is this is what God sees. God sees a world in which all can have salvation. God sees a world of every nation, every tribe, every language, every people can experience the mercy of Christ. Every people, every nation, every language, every tribe can experience God's mercy found in Jesus Christ. This is what John is trying to reveal to us. And it's a powerful image of worship, right? Of celebration, of thanksgiving. In fact, it ends with that powerful image, right? It's called the sevenfold description. You write that down, will you? <laughs> the sevenfold description. This is all that God has for us and all that God is for all of creation. He says praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength belong to our God. The God who created all of the universe, the God who set all things into motion, the God who when creating human beings said, it is very good and you are made in my image. That's the God we celebrate. The very essence of God's creation is what we celebrate as well. And when we get it right, that is to say when we see what God sees, there ought to be a celebration. Because we begin to reveal that God's kingdom is true, that God's kingdom can come as we prayed prayed just a few minutes ago, and that God's reality is that wholeness can be claimed in such a way that I can see, even in people with whom I disagree, (laughs) God's image, God's essence, God's goodness. God's richness. And when that happens, God is praised and thanked and honored and full of power and strength because that's what God set into motion in the very beginning of creation. So when we see what God sees, there are at least three things that happen. I'm sure there's a whole bunch of other stuff, but I believe there are at least these three things that happen, and all of them ought to be celebrated. So when we see the imago dei, the image of God in all people, one of the first things that happens is that God is honored. Because this was what God's design was, is that we see in other people, even those with whom we disagree, God's image, that God is good, that God is love, and God has that love for all people. That's The beginning of creation. And so when we see that in others, God is honored. Let's celebrate that. The second thing that I believe happens when we see what God sees is that we, followers of Jesus, those who claim Christ as Lord and Savior, we can reach new and more people. We cannot reach people we don't love. We cannot reach people that we don't first at least see some kind of an imprint of God in them. They may not know Jesus, they may not know what uh, faith is, they may not know what salvation is, but can we not see in them as a creation of God the richness of who God is and the wonder of what God has to offer? We can only reach people that we think have value. Wow. It means we've got to look at people that don't claim this faith or claim no faith or have strange values, or do things that we think are weird, we have to first love them in order to reach them. Because if we don't love somebody, we don't care if they know Jesus, right? If we don't love somebody, we don't care what they know or don't know, believe or don't, we don't care. We are not people who don't care. We are people who love. We are people who express grace and mercy and love. The Apostle Paul got this. He would go to be among people that he fully disagreed with, clearly didn't have the same values for, and in his own conversion recognized that there were people that needed Jesus. I love the way he put it in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. It's actually one of my faith verses In my life verses, but I want you to hear it in a different way than what I memorized it in because I love it from the New Living Translation. It says, yes, Paul reading and writing to the Corinthians, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and to share in its blessing because Paul knew as as a persecutor of Christians, as a killer of people who follow Jesus, he knew in his own conversion that he had been loved by God and that he'd been made in the image of God, and therefore he needed to share this good news with others with whom he might disagree. You see, when we see what God sees, we can actually reach new and more people for Christ. And the third thing that can often happen if we see what God sees is that we build God's kingdom. And this is Jesus' ultimate goal. This is what Jesus came to do. He brought the kingdom with him and he invites us to help build the kingdom for him and with him. It's a part of what we pray in the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, right? And so when we see what God sees in all of the creation, we begin to help build God's kingdom because there are two parts to this. One is realizing that every human Every human is created in the image of God. And that's the one thing we hold in common with all of humanity. And then the other is true for those of us who claim faith in Jesus. We recognize that, man, we're a diverse crew. Just look around us. We're a diverse crew, right, on lots of different kinds of levels, age and gender and sex and socioeconomic and ethnicity and all. We're different, right? But we hold one thing in common, Jesus. And that one thing helps us bind ourselves together. Paul would put it this way to the Galatian church in chapter 3. He would say, in Christ there's no difference between Jew or Greek, no difference between slave and free, no difference between male and female, for we are all one in Christ. And so as we build God's kingdom, we begin to recognize that we can find something in common with others starting at the base level, And then we can help bring them into a relationship with Christ and then we find yet something else we have in common. And all of this ought to be celebrated because when God's kingdom is near, when God's kingdom is coming, when God's kingdom is possible, man, that needs to be celebrated. It's it's like a party, right? I mean, I love the way Jesus in several parts of the gospel would highlight the building of God's kingdom, the coming of God's kingdom. He would highlight it as a party. You may recall John chapter 2, there's a a wedding at Cana of Galilee and water's turned into wine and there's a great celebration and all of that is an image of what God's kingdom is like when Christ is glorified. We look at Luke chapter 14 and there's this wedding feast that happens and, and not everybody's invited and then the host realizes he needs to invite everybody and as he invites everybody he realizes how wonderful it is and there's a great party because the kingdom is coming. And you just go one more chapter further in Luke chapter 15 and you have all of the stories of the lost, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son, sometimes known as the prodigal. And in every instance, when the lost was found, when the sheep was found, and when the coin was found, and when the, when the uh, uh, son was found, there's a party because it is God's kingdom. And in God's kingdom, we ought to celebrate and we ought to give thanks for what God is doing through the world seeing others as God sees And the night is turning into day. And the light of the world shines across all when we see what God sees. And what a great opportunity it is for this congregation to do this over and over again. What a great celebration it is to give glory and honor and praise and thanksgiving and power and might and glory to our God. Whenever I see the kingdom come, because a part of what we know is the kingdom's not here yet, right? But a part of our desire is that we could help bring that kingdom, that we could help build that kingdom. And, and so every once in a while we see a glimpse of the kingdom, right? And by golly, you know when it happens. I mean, there's like chills up and down your spine when you witness the kingdom being built. There's, there's tears sometimes for me, maybe even for you, of joy when I realize in that moment I experienced the kingdom. And, and man, I just knew all was well and all is in order. And, and God is helping us see what God sees in those moments that the kingdom comes. And it happened on this campus just last Saturday in a so simple way, but so profound. It was the men's breakfast over at the Family Life Center just last Saturday. You may know of it. And, and, you know, there's all kinds of of food there. You know, there's eggs and bacon and fat and grease and lard and all that, you know. and, And that wasn't the kingdom, though sometimes it feels good enough to be the kingdom, doesn't it? But it was at that meal as we shared about Jesus, that we discovered the kingdom in a very random kind of way, but in a very real and palpable kind of way. And here's how it happened. See, one of our members uh, moved uh, a few years ago, and as they relocated, they got to know their neighbors, like all of us ought to do, right? We get to know our neighbors. And part of what they discovered was one of their neighbors was a Muslim. And they took great delight in getting to know their neighbor and their neighbor them. And so they come to know that Ahmad, their neighbor, uh, is a part of the Louisville Islamic Association. Actually, uh, Ahmad is a part of the helping crew to help organize the interfaith habitat build. And so our, our church member invited Ahmad to come to the men's breakfast last Saturday. And I just need you to pause and think for just one moment. How much courage did it take for our church member to invite Ahmad, right? took courage for him to invite him to a clearly, distinctively Christian experience. But even more so, how much courage did it take Ahmad to show up at a Christian church where we talk about Jesus and where we talk about faith? But he did. Just real quick, show of hands. How many of us have ever been to a mosque? Any of us? Anybody? Cool. A couple of more than the 930. Thank you for doing that. It took great courage to do that. But do you know that in that moment, on that Saturday, there was conversation around the table about Jesus. There was conversation about faith. There was conversation about how I can see the way God sees. And all of us around our table, I happened to be blessed to sit at the table where Ahmad was sitting. And I heard him share his faith. And I heard him tell his story. He talked about his family and his kids and he talked about um, what it means to be faithful and we all shared and we all saw each other the way God sees us. There was no conversion attempted. There was no sort of therapy offered. There just, we just saw in each other the image of God. And in those moments, what we cho- chose to do was to say, God is in you. And I see God in you, and I want you to know that that's true. Now, none of those words were shared, but all of those words were expressed. You see, friends, that's how we build God's kingdom, is we see in small and big ways the way God sees. And we see God's imprint on every human being, you know, we're doing that as well and have done it a few times before with our Interfaith Habitat Bill, of which uh, Ahmad is a part and we are a part. And you could be a part if you want to help build. Uh, every time we do an Interfaith build, we say to our friends and brothers, our sisters in Christ and our sisters in the Muslim faith and our brothers in the Jewish tradition, we say we're going to set aside our differences and we're going to find our common bond in the image of God that's imprinted on all of us so that we can Help somebody get a home that they might not otherwise get. And so if you haven't signed up yet, just scan the QR code that's here on the screen and you can sign up to be a part of the interfaith build so that you can not only build a home for somebody, but you can help build God's kingdom and you can help see in the people with whom you will be hammering and nailing and eating a meal together with at some point when you're there, you can see the image of God in another human being. And in those moments, Build genuine relationships that will honor God, reach new people, and help build God's kingdom. The very production that you see the stage for setting right now, Hunchback of Notre Dame, that has been Friday night and Saturday, will be this afternoon at 2 and tomorrow night at 7. We did that musical this year deliberately tied to this series because in it, in part, what you find is that we need to see in those that we sometimes consider less than a Hunchback, or a gypsy, that really in God's eyes, they are more than, and that the very imprint of God is on each one of them, just like it's on each one of you. And so if you haven't signed up, you can certainly scan the QR code. You can just show up today at 2 or tomorrow night at 7, and you can experience in a very beautiful and profound way through music and and song and, and lyrics an image that God has imprinted on each and every one of us. I'm so happy to celebrate when this happens, so happy to honor the God who makes it possible. You know, for over 20 years now, we've had a relationship with West Side Baptist Church, which is a predominantly African-American church, and for 20 years, we've had the Rejoice concert combining with them to help uh, create opportunities for Christian community action and working together with the image of God in all people so that we can help those Whose imprint of God is found in them too? What a powerful gift this is, and we ought to celebrate. That's what John's revelation is expressing to us: is that any time we're working towards seeing what God sees, any time we're helping uh, build God's kingdom by seeing the imprint of God in all people, God is honored. People are reached for Christ's sake, and the kingdom is built. And that's what God desired from the very beginning of creation. Let us make human beings in our own image. In the image of us, let us create them, male and female. And friends, what a gloriful opportunity it is when we see those moments. We experience the kingdom coming at hand. And we know, therefore, then, that it's possible. Thanks be to God for your creation of that, for your partnering with God in that, and for helping to build God's kingdom every single day by simply seeing what God sees. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, thank you for creating us in your image. Thank you for making all people in your image God, give us strength and courage to continue the journey of realizing that that is true and that because that's true, God, we can offer your love. We can be your representatives in the world. We can help build your kingdom every single day by seeing your image in all. God, in these days when there's so much conflict and hate and mean-spiritedness and vindictiveness and vitriol, God, we need this more than ever. Then, therefore, let us be those who see what you see, God, and act on it every single day. God, thank you for making that true. Give us the courage and the strength and the hope to make it real. In the name of the one who brought that home, Jesus, who we know to be the Christ, we pray. Amen.